1: Knicks fans, how you doing? It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Yes. Hot dogs and hamburgers, July. No, we're uh, well, if you're listening to this, we are uh, you're coming out of July 4th weekend. We are um, me and my esteemed co-host, the one and only the mad scientist. Can that be your nickname from now on? I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Cohen are here. We're recording this before july 4th weekend jeremy what are the odds everything that we're about to go through becomes moot in the next three days two oh, days in- i guess
2: incredibly easy i, I mean <laughs> all it has to be is like nope that's not happening and it's like, great okay well, well i'm trying fun. to think
1: what the tweet would be the tweet would be it would come from woge and it would be or no it'd come from haynes Oh, well, yeah, that's, oh, yes, obviously it would come from it. Duh. Um, After some, after a tense several weeks between uh, their star and, uh, and the Portland Trailblazers, um, Damian Lillard has recommitted his full energy and, I don't know, some other language um, to the team that drafted him. And he's committed to, you know, seeing this thing through to a, a champion, right? Something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah. Um, let's hope that that tweet doesn't come out. Not, which is not to say, which is, uh, be, th- so this is a good way to um, open this. We're going to go through some some Dame trade stuff. We're going to go through some Cap stuff, a lot of Cap stuff. Jeremy is, indeed has his mad scientist um, hat on. Um, but let, as an entryway into that, um, I feel like we should at least have an opening, not salvo, um, although these days on Twitter, I guess that's kind of the form that it's taken. We should say something about how we feel about this whole thing, right? Um, I, I was about to be like, I am not endorsing a day in bullet trade before people, I don't know, start raising pitchforks outside of my house. Uh, do you want to start? I mean, what, do you have strong feelings about this?
2: Yeah. Yes, I think I do. Okay, um, that's a start. <laughs> I I guess it's the sort of belief here where I I'm concerned that there's a rush in the process in terms of what the Knicks are able to accomplish. I think in a lot of ways that the Knicks overachieved this past season. That's great. They absolutely did a wonderful job of what we thought was going to be a very mediocre team to become a great team Um, or at least very good team that was Fourth in the NBA, and at least in the Eastern Conference, and then uh, you know what happened in the postseason happened in the postseason. Uh, but it's a sort of thing where it's like, okay, are we are we really that far along where it's like mm. sacrificing a lot of what's being built can then be uprooted, and you're now suddenly a better team? I'm skeptical of that, and I would want to. you know, we'll go through more of it. I don't want to yeah, give away too much, but I guess the headline is. I'm not so anti the trade that it's like, don't do it whatsoever. It just, it has to fit perfectly. And there are so many steps to it that it's hard for me to see how it fits perfectly.
1: That's a great I have so much I want to say on this, and I, I want to hold some of it off because we we should also say we're recording um, with the Strickland guys, um, and they will, uh, Schwinn in particular, will be bringing some strong opinions to this. So I want to save some of the the general opinions for that pod, which is going to come at you um, next week. But I, I, I do just want to say very, very generally... Um, the specifics and this, maybe this is a stupid point that doesn't need to be said out loud, but I'm going to say it anyway. The specifics of these things matter, which is to say, I think there is a temptation to look at the opportunity to trade a young, significant young piece plus some interesting young pieces plus draft picks for a superstar when your team is like not terrible. And like your 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 opinion on that matters not in terms of the specifics of the of the parties and the and the situation involved. I, I just want to say very clearly that I do not think that that is the case. I think there are nuances and uh, intricacies, intricacies. I think I said that word correctly. You did um, involve that matter to the point where your evaluation of whether or not the Knicks should make such a trade, which we should say very clearly, will not be on the table unless Dame deems it so. Um, if you think R.J. Barrett has a, if there's a 75% chance that he has a three to four year stretch of his career where he is a f- the 15th to 20th best player in the sport, your evaluation of this trade I think should be markedly different than if you think that there is a 50% chance that he has a two year stretch as a top 30 player in the sport. And that's just like one aspect of it. And then there's the team aspect of it, which is where, that's what we're going to get into today. Where it talks where you talk about like, okay, well it's fine. Dame's your number one, Julius Randall is your number two. You figure out the rest of it. Well, no, because if you look at superstar trades over the last decade, the, 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 the ones that really work out a lot, as you just said, I'm pulling the words right from your mouth. A lot of things had to line up. Now, sometimes those things could line up before the fact. Sometimes those things are lined up, but don't take place until after the fact. These are all like all of this stuff matters. Um, so which is why I wrote this week and I, I, some people were upset by this. I don't I can't sit here and be like you you if you think that they cannot trade RJ Barrett I don't think you're an idiot. If if you think they have to trade RJ Barrett for Dame Lillard, I don't think you're an idiot for saying that. I just think this is a difficult there's a more difficult conversation than it is being painted in some corners of the internet. That's that's all I wanted to say up front and and now we could get into the specifics.
2: This will be especially fun when uh we have a, another guest on our pod very soon yes, who just I know. Throws it back. Um, we'll leave it at that. We'll keep the Someone who likes going. to
1: call people. Actually, idiot would be being kind. I think that's the kindest thing he's ever called me is an idiot. That's fair. So anyways, shall yes. we jump into it? I would love nothing more than to jump into it. So just for, uh, as Jeremy is pulling up his uh, mad scientist uh, PowerPoint, um, if you are listening to this on the podcast feed and you would like to see the, um, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> if you, I, 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 hold on. I'll, Can I describe this? Please, please go ahead. I want to
2: hear your description of this. I just,
1: okay. Uh, But let me just finish what I was saying. Oh my God, you've thrown me off. Um, If you would like to see the numbers um, in front of your face and like the the names and numbers and the the things, um, check out the YouTube channel. But don't worry, if you're listening to this on the pod, we'll describe everything you're not seeing. And what you're not seeing right now, if you're listening to this on the pod, is a picture of, um, so we have Dame... Uh Dame Dame Judy Dench, Sir Ian McClellan, McK Ian McKellen. McKellen. I added an extra L. Mm -hmm. Um, a child from Rugrats. Yes. Who, if you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you which character that was. All right. Well, what's the fourth image? Uh close. close. I was trying to Andrew Claudio was mouthing the name to me and I I misread.
3: Can can I jump in? Can I jump in? Can I jump in? So that's Dame ian lil and is that lard that is at the end so that's dame ian lil lard
1: yep so i could have sat here and looked at this for the better part of an hour and i wouldn't have put that together which says what about me i don't know that's for you uh, the listeners and and viewers at home to decide but um it says about jeremy that he probably has way too much time on his (laughs) hands. i probably do yeah (laughs) this is great okay Damien dame, dame Ian
2: lillard okay there we are Fantastic. so Damon lillard let's go over the blueprint right whenever you want to build a successful team pretty much what you want is an elite guard an elite wing and an elite big uh it can change it can fluctuate over time but if you look at you know even the past 10 15 years that's Oftentimes the best teams are the ones who are able to have that going for them, but it's not just that, right? Because they also need to have significant depth. We see what happens when super teams that aren't deep enough, how they can struggle. So you have to build some sort of, you know, team that encounters or takes both those things into, um, into consideration. And then finally you need your best two players to be at least in their sixth season or longer. And, you know, you could probably find maybe, one player who maybe is one of the top two on their team and has been in the league for five years. But I mean, Kobe's the exception, right? That's probably, yeah, but then exactly. And I think the way you could look at it is like, well, Shaq isn't. So you, I'll yeah. put, you need at least one truly dominant player, or as I always say, you need at least a top eight performer that season to get you into that upper echelon. And that's pretty much the case. So the question I, is,
1: yes. Can I say one very quick thing? Cause people are going to be listening to this and be like, well, wait, the suns, the suns, the suns, the suns. I don't know if you were, if I'm stealing your thunder from later, um, tell me to shut up, but am I stealing your thunder from later? No, you're not actually. I, Cause I, I, and look, and I this do not take this as putting an asterisk on what the suns did or what the suns may do from here. That's not what I'm doing at all. But, um, the, the fact of the matter is I don't think that you should judge whatever happens with Phoenix this year as indicative of like the blueprint has changed. This is a, the, the, the sons, I'm just laying out the facts. The sons beat a Laker team that their second best player was injured. They beat um, a nugget team whose second best player was injured and they beat a Clipper team whose best player was injured. Those
2: are just facts. So sure. Let's and, yeah. If you look at the blueprint, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's, is DeAndre Ayton an elite big? If you don't see him as anywhere near elite, then the Suns don't check off every part of this. But if you think, like, wow, what he's doing is pretty damn close to elite, or at least he's playing at an elite level, then it's a different conversation because coincidentally, this is Devin Booker's sixth season. So, mm-hmm. and Chris Paul is playing in not his sixth season. So, but he's making people, up for Ayton and Mikhail being younger. Yeah. Right. Right, and those are, and the thing that the Suns have also done is the last couple of years they've honed in on drafting older players because they are closer to their primes and they're cheaper and it's a very smart way of going about it. And they're mm-hmm. in the NBA Finals as a reason, as a result. So, can the Knicks do all of this and acquire Damian Lillard? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a look at past precedents. Right. I love this. There's some. This is awesome, by the way. There's some. Thank you. There's some huge trades. Right. Specifically, two that I want to call out because. They're worth talking about. Uh, first is the James Harden deal, where it was Karis Levert, Jarrett Allen, Torian Prince, Rodion's Keurig's first round picks in 2022, 24, 26, and first round pick swaps in 2021, 23, 25, and 27. So the interesting thing about this trade is that there's really not a crowning jewel or crown jewel that Houston got, right? It's if it, and they didn't even get all of this. They didn't get Karis Levert. They didn't even get Jared Allen or Terrain Prince. Uh, So a lot of it for them was like, okay, you're basically focusing on first round picks and pick swaps for the most part. Uh, Houston. Also, I think this is something that maybe people don't necessarily consider, um, but this trade gave Houston the power to tank. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, you could have gotten Ben Simmons, Philadelphia, but you're also not going to get the second over, or you're not going to finish with a top four or bottom four record. In this case, you're going to lose out on your pick. So what's more important, this trove of first round picks and pick swaps and the ability to get a top four pick or whatever Philly was offering with Ben Simmons. And you could reroute him, of course, for sure. But it was just easier for them to, you know, every game was important based on the margins. And it worked out for them. They now have the second overall pick. They'll take, you know, Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. Maybe they even do a trade. Who knows? But that sort of thought process of it worked for them. And and Harden basically made it a two-team race. And that was the other thing. It, it was not so much in a vacuum. It was these two teams. Whereas if you compare it to the, seat, the trade of the previous season with Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. it was Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, uh, the fourth pick in the 2019 draft, and then two additional first-round picks. What's kind of confusing is that the Pelicans can actually elect to defer a pick a year, and that kind of could completely scramble what the Lakers are able to do. So – They have to, you know, they're trying to figure this out, but if you're the Lakers, you'd won a championship. You do this trade 11 times out of 10. And the interesting thing is that the Lakers couldn't afford to wait. The Lakers had to get Anthony Davis because number one, it was LeBron's prime, or at least towards the end of it. And Anthony Davis is a big man who needed to be out of there. Uh, And number two, in order to sign Anthony Davis as a free agent, you would have to lose Brandon Ingram because his cap hold would have been way too high since he was a second overall pick. So you might as well just make the trade. Um, and I think that is where we can then kind of lead this into the Damien Lillard conversation where it's really like a Venn diagram in one circle. You've got the teams that Dame wants to play for. And in the other circle, you've got the teams that can afford Dame. And then, When you say afford, what do you mean? What I mean is enough of a competitive offer where Portland's not going to be like, okay, you know, that's nice. Like Dame says, Hey, I want to go to the Lakers. And the Lakers say, We'll give you Kuzma and a 2027 20, first and the rest of our salary. And that's that. You forgot
3: Taylor Horton. How did you forget Taylor well, cause Horton? Because it would have Tucker. to be a
2: sign and trade as well. And Lakers Nation to... thinks he's better than uh, RJ Barrett. Uh, and Lakers Nation would be wrong on that. But they, they would be wrong. The question is Do the Knicks fall into that middle region? Um, but it's not just the Knicks, it's also what other teams are in that. You know, and and some of the teams that have been floated, for example, are um, New Orleans or Philadelphia. And a question for me is why Dame would want to go to New Orleans. It's a smaller market. It's still in the West. Um, What they're giving up, like, I don't see that younger team being ready to take that jump. Awful fucking ownership. Terrible ownership. Yep. Uh, Front office has been pretty abysmal. Uh, you don't mean, like I think, Steven Adams extension. How dare you? Yeah. You know, How I'm just not a big you? fan of it really. Uh, and I think <laughs> the other thing to consider here as well is all of this is speculation that Dame would ask out right now. Um, I don't see him doing that. I don't, you know, I mean, I think that they will try to work around him and I've been thinking though, if you are Dame, right. Yeah. Do you want to leave right now? when they've hired Chauncey Billups and he's a first year coach, or do you want it to be like him leaving halfway or after the first year? And it looks more like Houston and you just feel so bad for Steven Silas because that's not what he signed up for. Um, and if you're the Blazers, do you care about where Damian Lillard goes? In my opinion, I think you have to because they have dealt with such a clusterfuck with this whole PR nightmare in terms of hiring Billups the idea of it, it like it'll go you know it'll go of away. course it always it, it always it always fades away. away but you know i mean even jason kidd was hired so clearly you know it'll it'll mellow out yeah. but still there's this mindset of okay so you hired someone with a murky past and you made it worse by basically in the press conference trying to play it down oh. as much as you could without addressing the actual issue um and then finally, you're trading Damian Lillard to a place he doesn't want to go. The guy who is so loyal yeah. that he signed a Supermax contract because, you know, he wanted that. He wanted to stay in Portland. So I think they kind of have to take it into consideration. But then, you know, it's like, okay, well, what are the other teams? Philadelphia, for example. It's this idea of, well, why would the Blazers want Ben Simmons? You know, I mean, they, they easily could. They could say, we don't want to tank. We want to try to keep building. They could take a Pacers model with like what they did with Paul George, that sort of mindset. I don't see them doing that though. But I think what I will say is that I've been on social media a bit this week, just kind of observing what people are saying, waiting to strike my moments right. You're a better man
1: than me, (laughs) Mr.
2: Cohen. And what I kind of came up with is that a lot of people are just ignoring the possibility of a three-team deal. It just takes okay. one team to like Ben Simmons, like the Timberwolves, for example. If yeah. the Timberwolves said, we'd love to have Ben Simmons with D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards and Carl anthony Towns, and we have Malik Beasley and Ricky Rubio salaries that match perfectly, and we have first-round picks, and then Philadelphia says, oh, cool, uh, we also have assets that we can send to Portland, like maybe Tyrese Maxey, uh-huh. maybe a first-round pick, maybe even Matisse Theibel, you know, some sort of combination where you're sending that to Portland. Sure. And then it's like, okay, well, Portland is now looking at, what, an expiring contract in Rubio? You can handle that. Malik Beasley's contract, that's, a you know, he's a troubled player in terms of what he's been uh, off the court, but uh, but he also has a good contract he's a good player. And you have all these picks coming in, maybe even a couple young players too. It's that sort of mindset of, Can the Knicks compete with that? And to that, I have to say, just generally speaking in the whole conversation of sacrificing the farm, quote unquote, fuck them kids, (laughs) fuck them kids. Here's my thing, okay? Every time I seem to go on social media as a whole, and maybe that's my problem, going on social media. By the way, do you think this is directed at you? It is. Yeah, probably. It's Michael Jordan saying fuck them kids. And it's true because here's my thing. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, "Oh, but I want a dynasty. Give me my dynasty." I don't care. Listen, these players could turn out to be phenomenal. I, I I'm not doubting that. When you but say the,
1: these players, who are
2: you referring the to? The players. Yeah. You know, for for example, let me let me separate RJ Barrett from the others for a reason. Okay. And I'll get into it. But I'm talking about Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin any of the treasure trove of first round picks that the Knicks have Mitchell Robinson, whatever you want to say. And this is not me, by the way, saying trade every last one for Damian Lillard. It's the concept of, of hoarding. And I can tell, baseball is very different from basketball. Don't get me wrong, but in baseball prospects will break your heart. And there's a reason for that. And it's mm. because you put so much hope into potential that it kind of kills you or kills them in some capacity. and, If you want to strike, you need to do it at the right time. Now, again, I'm not saying fuck them kids and trade for Damian Lillard. It's just the concept of if you're going to build it right, I don't care. I really don't. I want to see a championship team. And let's face it, this front office, right? They are not going to want to stick around six, seven years and hope to get to that point. Players are very different you know, how many front offices typically does a a young star go through until they get to that point where they're ready to win a championship? Yeah, I mean, even Michael Jordan, for example, was he drafted by the person who, who, where he won all these championships? No, Jerry Krause did not draft him. Um, The, the Warriors, they didn't have the same front office. I'm like, yes. Could you probably find one or two that work out? Absolutely. Like the Spurs, for example, but The thing with the Spurs is that they also tanked an entire season, one Tim Duncan, and they were able to go from there as well. So my point here is that there's a certain level of patience that fans want because they love the idea of it being homegrown and it kills them to know that they're hiring some sort of outside assassin because they so believe in the players because that's just emotion. It's pure emotion for us to want to see what's in front of us succeed. But sometimes a hired gun can get the job done better and the timing has to work out. And at a certain point, we can't keep waiting for this young player to maybe take that next step forward.
1: Um, so I was, uh, God, I've been thinking about this, thinking about this episode a lot. I've been thinking about what we're going to do next week. And like, I just, I have so many different thoughts. Um, the one I want to share now is as fan and I'm not, I, I'm, I am front and center, including myself in this conversation. I am not excluding myself. I am part of the group of people I am about to describe. I just want to be very clear about that. We idealize and fantasize and hope and dream and we think of the best case scenario. And specifically we do that as Knicks fans because we we saw it in the 1990s. We saw them draft Patrick Ewing. We saw them um uh, not draft Charles Oakley, but bring in Charles Oakley as a fairly young player. We saw them Not again, not draft John Starks, but for all intents and purposes, give him his first NBA opportunity. Same thing with Anthony Mason, um, draft Mark Jackson. He was, but like they, that is the quote unquote build it the right way. And that was the team for the better part of a decade. There was some rejiggering, you know, in the, in the late, mid to late nineties. Um, but the core, the core was always pretty, pretty solid. Um, And there was a there was a certain feeling that that evoked. And anybody of a certain age would would give their uh, big toe to see something like that develop again, even though they did not win at all. That NBA was a different. It was a different sport. It's the, the, the NBA that exists now with the with the contracts that exist now, with the amount of control that players have over their over how they go about their business with the, with the way salaries work now. And, and as you talk about more than anyone, how much you need to pay guys on their second contract, if they show even a modicum modicum of basketball ability over the first four years, it's, it's a different sport. Um, And so the fact that, if you look around the NBA during that time, you could point to four or five, six, seven situations, the jazz, the Knicks, the bulls that you know, go up and down the, the league. There's a reason that over the last 20 years, you could point to how many situations of sustained. And when I say sustained, I mean, I don't know, longer than four or five years. You know, even let's just keep it the last 10 years, like the Spurs who, had a weird confluence of events where they managed to draft two guys in the thirties who went on to be hall of famers and they got them to sign contracts right before the CBA exploded and made those contracts almost irrelevant. Manage Ginobili and T- uh, Tony Parker I'm talking about, not to mention Tim Duncan wants to tell that that's a once in a generation type of situation. The other one, if you want to say the Warriors, and by the way, I mean, maybe the Warriors' run of success isn't over, but again, all that needed to go into making that happen, the the, the CBA exploding them and allowing them to resign Kevin Durant. And Steph's ankles. Steph Curry under under market. Being able to tank and get, um, they may have fucked up with Wiseman, but if this does continue, they'll probably flip that and turn it like so much. You need to be lucky and good, and you need to get the right, Super. It It's so much, which is why there are 30 GMs in this sport who, if you say you could sign up right here in the dotted line for a three to five year run where you'll be in it, you'll be in the conversation. Are there any GMs who aren't signing on the dotted line? There's none. Are they all dumber than the people on Twitter who are like, no, you must build with the children. And may, I guess possibly, maybe they're all stupid. Only right? David Griffin. <laughs> It's, He's the only it's one. Great. So I just, um, and, then, so, and the, the, the thing I wanted to say at first, and then of course I go on a diatribe and I get sidetracked, is if you don't idealize for a second and you don't think about what could be, and you look at situations that are, talk to an Orlando Magic fan in your life. Oh, wait, there are none. Um, no, but like, did they really like blow any of their picks? I guess you could say they blew the Bomba pick. Okay, so what? Maybe they end up with. Uh, uh, was Sexton after? I think Sexton was right after or right before. Whatever. Like, fine. Maybe they take Shea or something. Like Wendell but Carter
2: like, Jr. I think was in between.
1: What's that? I think Wendell Carter. It, it might be, yeah. Might, well, who they now have, by the way. Funny yeah. enough. Um, in any case, like, Vooch nailed the return on the Dwight trade. Gordon, you know, solid. He was always considered like, hey, that that's a – he's an exciting, like, kind of borderline all-star. Fournier, like, good good little player. You know, they've – yeah, Jonathan Isaac has some injury. Uh, Like all this shit, what are they? They're perennial first round ouster. And then their GM looked around and was like, well, I guess it's time to blow it the fuck up because this is the only choice that I have. So sometimes you can make more right moves than wrong moves. And that's what you're left with. That's the more likely reality than um, we're recreating the 90s Knicks except with a higher ceiling. So um, to your point, Jeremy... Very well said. Uh, and thank you for for uh, g- giving me the opportunity to to piggyback off
2: that. Of course. And the one thing I'll put out there is think back to maybe, what, three years ago, where a huge portion of the fan base was still in love with Christoph Sporzingas. And then we weren't. And then we and got then Julius we Randle. <laughs> and then people hated Julius Randle. And yeah. now people love Julius Randle. It, yeah. it is so easy for us. And, and then people hated Julius Randle for five games. So it's very easy for us to change our mindsets. All we need to see is a path to winning and at the end of the day it's it's not, you know, the person wearing the jersey it is the jersey. It, so that brings it, me oh yes. Just very last thing like if if the
1: if the notion of trading away Emmanuel Quickly or Obi Toppin or even you know I'm just going to say it or or RJ Barrett frightens you to the point where you think that this will torpedo the franchise moving forward. Um, if you look around the league at the look around the league at any point in time over its history, there's one instance, one instance where a team let a player go when they were young and it was like, Oh shit, we let that like, and it's James Harden. And James Harden didn't think James Harden was going to become <laughs> James. Harden, right. Am yep. I missing one? Like there are other examples where guys went to new teams and like had like success, like Demonis Sabonis, right? Demonis Sabonis, classic story. They misused him in year one. That's maybe if you want a real dream Obi Toppin comp, that's it, you know. And 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 they let you know maybe the 35th best player in the league get away, 30th best player, if you want to be generous, get away. It's like, okay, um, they got Paul George out of it, you know, didn't work out, but like, he's pretty, like. You just you have to trust that that front offices, when they let guys go, they know that like they they will. They may trade someone away who they think has legitimate upside, but front offices don't trade away guys who they like Utah was never trading away Donovan Mitchell after his rookie year. Why? Because you saw you saw the signs. I mean, if anything, maybe you point to Shea. But again, look at that got them Kawhi and PG. So it's like, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to throw that in as well.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
2: So the next question of course is RJ Barrett sending him to Portland. Um, as you can see from this gift that just won't end uh, It's just Daniel Day-Lewis saying, I've abandoned my child. I've abandoned my boy. And that's kind of how I feel in the idea of letting go of R.J. Barrett. Mm -hmm. Listen, I mean, I I don't want to reinvent the wheel here. I thought, John, you did a great job elaborating in two parts this past week, what R.J. Barrett means and his trajectory. I thought that Schwinn did an awesome job on his podcast Mm -hmm. of basically diatribe manifesto, whatever you want to call it. It was, it was beautiful, but the way of just attacking that situation. And for me, the thing with RJ is I don't know how you necessarily not so much replace his talent, but I think that that from an archetype standpoint, it's really hard to find quality wings period. Yeah. And if you lose RJ Barrett, you lose what he's just the talent himself. And the fact that he is a talented wing coming back from that, I don't know how you do it. It's also because if you trade someone who's on a rookie contract, you can't exploit the fact that he will then add more you know, payroll to you. So you can get higher payroll and potentially if you had to flip someone or him or whatever down the line, it's more one for one versus betting on his upside and, and he's on such a valuable contract that to me, it's just trading him doesn't make sense whatsoever for what the Knicks are doing unless the Knicks are getting back a young player around his, around his age, really, who can contribute at this level or greater. And the Knicks would be trading other assets along with that, you know, like, like a Shea Gilgis Alexander, but you also want to pair SGA with RJ. With RJ. So at a certain point, it's like, where does it really work out? But with that said, and I'm going to tag Andrew, or tag him in here for a second. I understand that, that when you consider the offers that are out there, right? Like if the Blazers don't care about where Damian Lillard goes, or if he wants to go to say New Orleans and the Blazers say, cool, we'll take Brandon Ingram and five picks. And if they said, they being Portland said, okay, this is what they're offering New York. You can match this by throwing in the same amount of picks pretty much. um, But you also have to include RJ Barrett. And I think the thing to consider is that a lot of these teams, historically speaking, like when they've made big trades, not the Nets trade, that's very different, but they've almost always traded away the first or the second best player on that team for this elite talent. Because again, Mm -hmm. if you're trading for elite talent, you have to trade a lot for it. If it hurts, if it really hurts you, then there's a chance it's too much, but there's also a very good chance that that's probably around where it needs to be. So I'm going to flip it to Andrew here to state his case for how he feels about RJ Barrett. Uh, Andrew, would you kindly take the floor?
3: Sure. So this is in reference to our conversation with Schwinn in, in the other day when I, I just don't see a path where the Knicks can't even have a, and Damian Lillard trade conversation without trading RJ Barrett. And you two seem to believe there is a world where the price drops so low that quickly and Toppin and Mitch and all the picks will be enough to trade for him. I can't see Portland saying we prefer that over the better player of the three of them. I don't think the league views the players we watch every day the way, you know, we we think the world of Emmanuel quickly and OB Toppin's five points a game. Like I think the rest of the league isn't as attached as we are And what they do know is that the number three in the pick in the draft two years ago improved his shooting significantly. And that would be the piece that we can sell to our fan base to build around when we're trading away the best player uh, maybe in our franchise's history. So that is my thought. And plus, when you look at all the examples you laid out, it's never been there. There's never been a team that's like world trade you anybody, but it's been at the very end. They had to throw in something which is why the Nick fan that's like, we can do this without RJ feels much more like the Miami heat saying, we'll trade you not Tyler hero. Like <laughs> Tyler hero is untouchable without James Harden trade. Yeah. And as a result, it's where Knicks fans I think will get their wish. If this is the direction they go, if RJ Barrett's off the table, Damian Lillard will not be a Nick. If he is, then maybe something happens.
2: That is where I stand on this. So, two things. Number one, I had to move off of that gif because I could tell I was probably, I'm probably going to give people an aneurysm if they keep looking at that. So, uh, that's probably too much. So, uh, we're back to fuck them kids. With RJ Barrett, the second point, I, I, yes. Whoa. You heard it too, right? (laughs) We're back to what? (laughs) We're back to fuck, oh, I see. There you go. John got in trouble earlier this year too. I had to hear it. Well, blame Michael Jordan. Anyways. Blame Michael uh, Jordan. (laughs) So, my big thing with this as well is like, let's go back to that Ben Simmons mock trade, whatever three team deal. Like at what point do we say, okay, well, even without it being like that type of haul that the, the Blazers would be getting is what the Knicks would be sending really that much worse that you have to put RJ Barrett over the top. Like the thing about the Brooklyn trade was they didn't trade their first or second best assets because they were going to stay. Um, I think you could probably make an argument that they didn't even trade their third best uh, asset unless, depending on how you view Joe Harris versus Jared Allen. I think Jared Allen is probably a better asset because he was on a rookie contract.
1: Harris was more more important to their, like, I know he didn't, he crapped the bed in the playoffs, but he, you know, he, I think I would argue he was their third best asset.
2: Right. So, you know, I mean considering that, but again, it's like, I see people wax poetic about Tyrese Maxey. And then I constantly hear not, not so much from you, Andrew, but just in general, like, Oh, well, Emmanuel quickly, like he's great, but he's probably not overvalued. He's probably overvalued by fans. And I'm like, how is it that one player is so much better in terms of the eyes of people where even though they were the best team in the East, they were beaten one round right past it. And Emmanuel quickly, right past the Knicks, Emmanuel quickly made an all-rookie team. He was a huge part in the Knicks actually being in that role, whereas Tyrese Maxey was very much taking a back seat and not a huge contributor to the team like quickly was, I, I understand Thibel. He's a fantastic defender. His shot sucks. I could see a team maybe being like, oh, yeah, we'll buy the defense. Maybe the shot works out too. But at a certain point then, if you're trading him to a team that's not like the Sixers where his value is at its strongest, then I have questions because, again, like – you look at Frank Ntilikina. I'm not saying Frank is better than Thybulle. I'm definitely not saying that. But it's this idea of it's like, well, again, we've seen that that type of archetype is more valuable on a winning team. What happens when that winning when that archetype goes to a losing team? How does that really play out? And then you look at the pick situation. Like the Knicks can, I'll show it in a moment, can provide so many picks that Portland would be set for a very long time. And I think that's a thing where it doesn't. It doesn't have to be the best offer. It has to be the right offer. And if that's why it's still this, this vacuum where if you're looking at a two team race and Portland's like, okay, that's the least we can do. We can walk away feeling like we traded Dame for what is a really great haul. It may not be the best one for any other team that would be considered. Like if the Pelicans could offer something better and they could, but it just, it's still that mindset of we can walk away feeling great about what we got oh yeah, and we can also flip CJ McCollum and we could probably flip Robert Covington and maybe Yusuf too. all of these things. Then you look at it and it's like, holy crap, they're closer to the Thunder than any team is now. And so that's kind of the mindset in terms of RJ, where if you can get the right package and you're also able to make it be in a vacuum, because I think that's what it will be, then it's like, well, why do you have to include RJ Barrett? I, John, do you mind if
3: I? I don't. know. Is it me and Jeremy I'm, right now? No, I'm just i mean, I, sure. I don't want to interrupt I, you. I wrote.
1: I I wrote about this already, which is you know I went through all the teams and how how it would end up not including RJ and I don't even. I I, I think this the chances are very slim, but you, you take the floor.
3: Well, so I just comparing quickly to Maxi, I just quickly did not show in his rookie season especially now that you factor in his sophomore season, a big part of his offensive game might go away with the ability to draw fouls the way he did. Um, his his,
2: his pull-up ability, I think, is going to stand out yeah. significantly. That That's
3: fine, but there's not – the 92% free throw, shooter. whoever he finished at this year is not going to
2: be able to draw three well, shots well, at a time as often. Well, I'll push back we in the sense that. of if he attacks the rim far more than he has been instead of, like, throwing up floaters – Mm-hmm then he'll probably draw more contact where it doesn't have to be like away from the foul, like a side to side type situation. That's okay. That's more my. So cluster, I agree. No, be so player. I
3: do agree with Jeremy on that, that there is a world where I mean, you quickly is still a good contributor to a team next year, but all these words, probably if like that still is potential, there's nothing outside of a really good rookie season that made him on the second team, all rookie that makes him a higher value than RJ Barrett's. You're going to have to give up your best asset in a Dane trade. And in the vacuum that you're talking about, I don't see outside of a three team deal where someone just really wants Dame Lillard to end up on the Knicks in that three team deal that the Knicks don't have to give up their best asset in that, in the process. Like if you, if Philly did a three team deal with Ben Simmons, like they would also, that, that ends with them getting Dame Lillard, not with like Ben, like Ben going to Portland, the Knicks getting Lillard, and the uh, Sixers getting all of the, the assets back.
2: Can I? Right. It's, it's more, I agree. And I understand the idea of if Ben Simmons is going, he's the second best player on that team, realistically speaking. Um, but it's still what's going back to Portland because if Portland's not getting Ben Simmons, they're just getting picks and a couple of young players uh, and like Beasley, the Knicks can still compete with that. And without having to include R.J. Barrett, I, I don't disagree with you in the sense that I think it would be hard for the Knicks to get Dame and not include R.J. Barrett. And I think that's also basically it's it's a non-starter for me based on how you construct the rest of the roster. But I do think that when you look at it at uh, like the Harden situation, and granted that was also fewer years of of, eligi- of eligibility of being in under trouble, contract. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be another factor. We've never really seen a player with four years on his contract, let alone really three, force his way out and guess what we still haven't seen that because we're just speculating on the idea that dame would want out so i hear you i'm with you in terms of what you're saying it's more just like at a certain point if the competition is basically just like picks and young players versus picks and young players i don't see it necessarily being like you have to include rj or else it's over on, But no that but the sixers can afford to do that move well, I just want to make clear now let's I will go back
3: behind the curtain. I promise. Um I'm loving this. I just I want to make clear I'm not saying the first offer you throw out there is RJ Barrett. You don't have to. It, look, if there is a world I said this to Schwinn because I'm tired of disagreeing with him because he doesn't like to ever be wrong. Um I don't, if there is a world that exists where they can get RJ Barrett without Dame Lillard, hand up, make me the poster child, tweet me every day, they did it, you dumbass. I will enjoy those tweets as we're on our way to a parade, okay? I just don't know that that world exists. The precedent for these trades has been eventually the best offer will win. I don't see the price coming down, the, the trade package being, well, whoever holds to their assets the best. The teams that usually say this is a deal breaker End up not making the deal, which is why the Miami situation is the most comparable to me for this. Which Miami situation? They don't have the
2: picks, is the thing. That's like, I see what you're saying. You're also saying the the picks.
3: I don't think Portland's get, uh, we we see teams like Houston get crucified because they didn't get a player back. And that situation was more specific
2: that they had to tank because the Thunder had their pick. They had to be top four. Right. I understand. But if you're Portland and you don't want to kind of just Mediocre, if you want to take that plunge, then I would understand going that route. So,
3: uh, can you I, still need a, um, go ahead. I'm no, just saying, you still need a player to build around. And in my opinion, this is why right. I'm like on board with keeping RJ, he's the guy that's shown to be someone you can build around. Not like Emmanuel quickly is the poster for what we're getting back. You still have to sell your fan base. This is the return we got for Dame Lillard. I don't see how RJ Barrett isn't the main person you say that
2: to. Sure. So, again, I'm just, I'm just, sorry, real quick, John. Yeah. I'm, I'm just done. saying that there's no, <laughs> I love it. you don't, you don't have that, that main centerpiece and the other example that I laid out where if the Sixers are sending Ben Simmons to not Portland because the Blazers don't want him. So, you know, like I, and again, I understand that's one trade. There are other avenues for it, but that's my thing. I, I understand that if you're having RGB the headliner, it's very different than having Emmanuel quickly and picks. R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, picks. It's a, that's a different conversation. It's just a question of, is it really going to come that close where it has to be in that position? I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just looking at the scenario and the fact that it isn't in a vacuum and, and trying to understand it. And or actually, or it is in a vacuum in this case and working through that. So John, last last thing
3: and then I promise, John, you'll, we'll go back to you. You I'll just respond to Andrew. (laughs) I feel that I, as a producer, I'm listening as I'm responding. I'm trying to make sure this doesn't become unlistenable. This This is good. I'll just say, I think it's far more likely that if Portland does want to tank and the route they go is more like the way the Sixers get the picks is that three team deal you're talking about. And that, like the three-team deal that, or I guess the, technically the fourteen deal that Brooklyn and Houston and Indy and I think there's another. It's then Cleveland pulled off mm-hmm. is the route that goes that the the Portland ends up with all the assets they're blowing it up. Philly ends up with um, Philly ends up with Dame and then Ben Simmons ends up somewhere else as a result. Like that's the route I see it more going because they'll be willing to part with more assets then. In this scenario, if the Knicks are like, "We'll give you anything but R.J. Barrett," then I think Portland would be like, "Well, that's your best asset. We don't. We want teams that are willing to give up their best asset." I'm going behind the curtain. Thank you for letting me contribute to the podcast. First of all, don't ever say thank you for that. Um, I but you're, just, you're welcome. I just want to go through a
1: couple things. Um, so I don't think they make the trade with New York um, if R.J. Barrett's not in it, and I don't think I don't think they make that trade the Philly trade either Um because I, so superstar trades over the last 10 years, we'll go through this really quick. Um The Kyrie trade, he had two years left on his contract. They got the Nets pick out of that. That Nets pick at the time was looked at as perhaps the single golden, golden chip asset in the entire league. Um, So that's much better than any of the assets that we're talking about now. The Anthony Davis trade, Brandon Ingram, um, again, blue chip upon. I mean, and he obviously made the all-star team um, in addition to every pick the Lakers could trade and control of the Lakers draft for seven years. So that return, I I believe blows either of these returns that we're talking about um, out of the water. And then there but then there are a lot of other trades where the returns were not nearly as good which is i think where the conversation turns to well why why does it have to be a crazy return so you have the mello trade mello everybody knew he was only coming to new york there and and they still got a fair um you know return in terms of um Danilo gallinari still a lot of a lot of bloom left on the rose at the time. He was only two years into his career, former uh, sixth pick. I showed a lot of promise and they got the two firsts in addition to that. Um, but again, Mello was New York or bust. Um, Kawhi, one year left on the deal, still an injury cloud hovering over there. And that was still kind of weird. And the league was in kind of a weird place in terms of like, no one thought that they were, um, you know, and oh, that was the other thing. Everybody thought he wanted to go to L.A in in a year which is why that return was was low the hardened trade um he was i mean he made his intentions very clear he's like i'm just going to keep lollygagging it and i will don't trade for me if i don't want to be there because i'm just i'm gonna sit my fat ass um in the in the at the bar at the nearest strip club and uh you could pay me my 40 million dollars a year and i'm gonna be very happy collecting uh them them checks um also ben simmons had much higher trade value at the at the time and he was offered and that trade didn't get made reportedly because uh, Tillman Fertitta likes to hold grudges, I guess, um, perhaps. So that's the Harden trade. The the PG-13 trade, again, year left on the contract. Everybody thought he wanted to go L.A. Uh, it, was, it was an open secret. And they still got the former number two pick in the draft who had just averaged 20 points a game. The year prior, I know he wasn't Oladipo, All-NBA Oladipo, but he was still pretty good. Um, and Sabonis was was just a lottery pick the prior year. And then the only other two, and they're a while ago now, Dwight Howard, Deron Williams. So Deron Williams actually belongs in the first category where the return was good because that was, um, and I know it's a, a long time since Derek Favors was looked at as this level of prospect. But once upon a time, Derek Favors, Favors was the third pick in the draft, um, third or fourth or whatever he was, he was, it was a high pick in the draft and he was looked at as a potential cornerstone piece um, when the Nets made that deal. And there was an additional first on top of that. And then the Dwight trade Dwight, I put into the Harding category. He was a, he was a well-known, you know, curmudgeon that if you brought him into a situation that he didn't want to be at, and he wanted to be in LA um, he was going to just, you didn't want to be in that situation. Dame, I don't think Dame is a frequenter of strip clubs. I don't think Dame is.
2: <laughs> maybe he does. I don't know. Also, I've I've actually heard that Portland has the most strip clubs. In does the, it really? And across the United States in terms of cities, that's what I've read before. So. Maybe
1: that's maybe that that's why he likes being there. Um, I think Dame's going to be professional, provided he's in an environment where he feels like he could win, but he may. And this is what bring this is we're bringing the conversation now full circle unless he wants to be a dick about it. And he's like, fuck, no, I've given you a decade. I want to go to this city or one of these three cities. And he makes that power play known beforehand. And that is the only way that I think potentially, potentially um, something gets done without RJ and it would require the whole, all of the picks and you're just, you're hoping if you're Portland that the 2024 or the 2025 or the 2026 or the 2027, um, actually, no, it couldn't be all those. It would, well, two, two of those would be swaps, but, um, two of those would be first. Regardless, you have control over the, they would want control over the next draft for the next seven years. That they don't have to have the types of conversations about that. You guys are just having about Emmanuel quickly. That's a, all right. That's a lot of shots at the dartboard. Maybe, maybe, maybe that gets it done. If he strong arms the situation, it's a big if, uh, you know,
2: that's all I want to say. Yeah. All well said. Um. All right. So I just want to quickly talk about it, since you brought up, draft picks actually it was very kind of you John thank you for that perfect segue of course in terms of uh I just wanted people to know what the first round picks the Knicks do have so they have all of their picks from 2021 to 2027 which is the latest point they can trade any of them right now uh and two first round picks this year's Dallas pick and Dallas's pick in 2023 although that is a protected pick it's top 10 protected uh so unless Dallas flames out in 2023 or 2024. Um, or even 2025, in which case it would become a second-round pick, then, you know, whatever. But it's that's unlikely to happen. Uh, now, Unless Luka Doncic forces his way to the Knicks. Right. So if the Knicks wanted to make a trade right now, they could trade either of their 2021 picks, just one of them, the 2022 pick, either the 2023 picks, 2024 pick, and a 2026 pick. The reason is based on the steppian rule which dictates you can't trade back-to-back picks in the future. The thing is, if you have another team's pick, you can circumvent that and you can actually trade one of them. So that's why, you know, if the Knicks trade the 19th pick, they could still trade the 2022 pick and they could then still trade the Dallas pick in 2023 or their own pick and then they could trade the 2024 pick. Um and of course, if the Knicks didn't do that, if they waited until after the draft, then they could trade. Or if they agreed,
1: if yes. they agreed on the, they, make it very clear, if they agreed on the trade with Portland, such that Portland was in essence making the 19th and 21st pick for the Knicks, but they did not cons- officially consummate it with the league until the new league year, this is where this Correct. would
2: go. So yep. then it would be in the past. So you could do both 2021 picks, 2022, yep. one of the 2023 2024, 2026, and 2028. So that's a lot. If you wanted to, if you absolutely had to give up seven first-round picks for Damian Lillard, that is how you plus, would do it. So seven first-round
1: picks plus, plus two swaps. Right. Plus they have. I don't see. I mean, how
2: juicy can a second-round pick be? But you can actually do three swaps if you really needed to. You could save for the 2023 pick. And again, like we'll just. The uh, 2023 20, would be the better of the two you could offer, right? But I'm saying you could offer the better of the two and a pick swap. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that just right. that nauseates me to my core. Um, again, like I'm I'm comfortable with trading a lot of picks, but it has to. I have to know that this is the finishing piece for the Knicks to win a championship, and that isn't happening right now. Especially if I'm trading RJ Barrett. So it's just, not. Yeah, just it, to it, consider.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do. We want to at least—I don't know if that if we're running live. Let's—we uh, could do some live, uh, you know, uh, figuring out of the rest of this pod. We'll let—we'll let people behind the scenes. Do we want to get into a little bit now of if we think the Knicks can construct a championship team if they traded
2: um, RJ Barrett for for Dame Lillard? Or do you we know, I'm I'm hurt. I'm hurt that you would think that we would not have that in this here presentation, John. Okay, never mind, never mind. Sorry, I apologize. I come prepared. Um, The next thing I just want to talk about is the Carmelo-Anthony trade. Basically, I've seen this is the Carmelo-Anthony trade. It's not the Carmelo-Anthony trade, but I think they can also be similar. Um, Yeah, you're giving up a lot for a star, but at the same time, it's not similar to it because... Dame is also older. That doesn't help that actually works in the opposite direction. Um, the contract, you have full ability to keep Damian Lillard. Remember how Melo had to re up. And then a few years later, it was like, is Melo going to resign? And we had to wait for weeks to see if he was going to take $50 million less from the bulls or stay in New York. Wonder why he made that decision. Um, and then there's the idea of like, and this is something that I think about quite a bit. How different does the Carmelo Anthony trade look if, they have a healthy stat because yeah, I mean, Randall would basically be a healthier version of stat. We're talking about someone who just made his first on all, all NBA team. I believe uh, Stoudemire made five, four five. He made five first teams uh, with Phoenix. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, but that wasn't that same stat. He had the injuries. That was when he I, joined the team. And that's why it was a concern with no insurance. Randall doesn't have that, that history especially not at this point, knock on wood, that it doesn't happen, period. But the whole point is that, you know, again, it goes back to the argument from before where to me, it wasn't that the Knicks gave up Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari picks in the future. It was that they gave all that up and then they didn't amnesty stat. They amnesty billups instead. There wasn't a way to get someone like a Chris Paul type. Um, And it just fell flat and it felt like, okay, Instead of us trading for Melo as the final piece, it's like we got Melo and now what? And that is where I think things can really get tricky. Where it is, like that, if there is a reason for why it's resembling the Carmelo Anthony trade, it is, okay, we're giving up RJ Barrett. How are we going to make it work for us to get Damian Lillard in the door and also have someone a third piece and then depth alongside where the Knicks can be a contender? I just want to say,
1: God, I'm going to catch shade from doing this. <clears throat> Amari Statemeyer's knees were their own issue, that had no, i don't say they had nothing to do with. It. it was a separate. The conversation about his knees and whether or not they would hold up and how that made the valuation of that contract um, is a separate conversation from what Amari Statemeyer was capable of on the floor when he was right. And there were conversations when he was in And and it, granted in the tail end of the Phoenix time, I think there were already concerns that he would start to deteriorate as a player, but um, Amaris Sotomayor at his apex, people looked at as, is this the most dangerous fin, is this the best finisher in the league we have today, essentially, or is, is it, you know, is this the next generation of big men? I was like, is this, does it get any better than this guy when he was really going, Yep. Um, and for you youngins out there, go go watch some young, um, how about this? Google Amari Stoudemire. Oh, my God. Who did he put in the basket? Was it a little candy? That I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my God. It was, it, was, it was the most famous dunk. I remember the
2: seven seconds or less. Sun, so just so look up Stefan
1: Marbury face Amare Stoudemire dunk and watch what transpires on your computer in any case he was a bad 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 man once upon a time um he i don't know if he ever finished as high as eighth in the mvp voting like julius randall just said he probably did I, I don't remember it's immaterial because julius randall finished eighth in the mvp because he was the knicks offense and he was everything the knicks uh, offense you know he, he was the sun everything orbited around him um, if the Knicks bring in Damian Stoudemire, there at least exists a question. And I'm not, again, it's not shade on my part, not shade, because j- we haven't seen it. That's it. Just because we haven't seen it. How well, how effective he can be. at Because if you're thinking like, well, Dame just finished whatever, fourth in the MVP voting. Julius Randall finished eighth. We have two of the top. top no, that's not quite how this how this works. Um, so we just have to see it.
2: That's all. I just want
1: to throw that out there.
2: Yeah, and hopefully they can bring out the best in each other.
1: Hopefully. Um, And I think that's possible. It's an unknown. That's all I'm saying. It's an unknown.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, again, how do you build around Dane? We've said if you trade your best assets, what do you have at your disposal to add someone who's a high-impact player? Looking at the, the free agency class, it's pretty weak for the most part, right? And then in 2022, you can't really afford that big max player because you've got Lillard on his contract, and then you have Randall with his high cap hold basically takes you out of the running for any max star that would be like the seven to nine year experience, which is Levine. uh, And certainly out of the 10 plus, which is a player like uh, uh, Bradley Beal. So rules for acquiring Dame, right? Ground rules. Uh, In terms of sending out the money, Dame's making what should be about $39.3 million next year. Uh, Knicks can absorb all of that if they so choose. Uh, but if they don't want to do that and they want to do some sort of salary matching thing, then they have to send out at least thirty-one point three million dollars. Um, so basically, the Knicks would be best used, uh, using up some or best suited using up some of that cap space, then leaving some space open to make the trade to facilitate for Dame. So the reason I'm putting these next two examples in here are because people would be mad at me if I didn't. I just want to preemptively say... You don't say, want people to be mad at you. I no don't. You mean. Why,
1: why who who want wants that? that?
2: No one wants that. Not me. No. I just want to say, I did it for you, and I never want to do it again. Damon Kawhi. Oh, my God. So, basically, the way it would work <laughs> is that the Knicks would renounce all their cap holds. They would sign Kawhi Leonard. Then, for salary reasons, they would trade every single player on the roster except for, like, Mitchell Robinson. And, of course, they would trade picks too. Um, at least you would hope not too many because you just traded RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly and Obi top and the, and the 19th pick and the 21st pick. So you'd hope that that should be around enough, but that's mathematically how you would get there. And you're going to see cap space. Bucks. It, well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what happens when Kawhi misses 20 games and they have no one to help them. But anyways, um, so this is a great, this is great starting four. And you just be like, well, just add depth. Again, I would say look at what the Nets encountered. Look at the fact that Kawhi Leonard just heard his AC. what's Jamal Crawford doing? I'm sure Jamal Crawford. Oh yeah. That'll be great. Uh, you'll you'll see for a lot of these examples that cap space is negative. Don't worry about it. It's just after the math, it's it's fine. Um Number two would be, OK, what if we what if we actually traded Julius Randle instead of R.J. Barrett? Like you traded him to another team and you do some sort of three team or whatever it is. Like, again, I do not see this happening even more so than the previous. And I don't see that happening to begin with. But this idea of, you know, like, well, why are we trading Julius Randle? Because it's great we're getting Kawhi, but also like wasn't that a key point? Basically, you would renounce all the cap holds except for someone like Derek Rose. You then sign Kawhi, Trey Julius, Knox, Obi Toppin. You'd need to now find some sort of starting caliber four. Uh, and then some for some future first round picks. But hey, you kept R.J. Barrett. You kept Emmanuel quickly, and Mitchell Robinson. And honestly, as I say it, at least one of Quickly, and Mitch probably has to go in that package anyway. But The point being is that if you were to find a team that wanted someone like Julius Randle and was willing to give up a lot for him and then those picks just or assets went to Portland, then that'd be the case. But mathematically, that's how it works. Um, Then it's the idea of Dame and anyone else. So we're off of the Kawhi train, thank God. It's now, the Knicks can spend really more than $33 million. Uh, If you take away Rose's cap hold, it's closer to... 41 I guess in this case when you consider the uh, roster charge and for those curious the reason that it works out that way is because basically you need to have certain space like I said that 31.3 million dollars subtracting that from what is Barrett Knox top and quickly 19 and a future first that's that remaining 6.8 million is the amount of space you need to have for the math to work so you can't use up all your cap space Uh, that's basically how you would do it, and you would try to then fill in all this amount. And the reason I didn't include a salary next to Damian Lillard is because I wanted to show you the before versus the after, which the after would have just been decimating everything. Gotcha. That's basically how it works. Um, Now, I'm sure people are also wondering, what about Mitchell Robinson? Couldn't you just sign and trade for him, go above the salary cap? Uh, What do you mean sign and trade trade for? Like if you made Mitchell Robinson... A restricted free agent okay and worked out a sign and trade. Oh, and he agrees it? Okay. to go to Portland. I understand. And you, you know, yeah. And then you add up the salary that goes to $31.3 million, right? It's got it. It's Knox, topping Vildoza quickly, and then hey, we signed Mitchell Robinson to bridge the gap between the two. Um, I'm sure that's a prevailing thought. It's nice. It also doesn't actually work. So this is what people would think it looks like, right? Mr. Robinson's not going to make $15 million, but if you thought, hey, The math works. We're now above that 31.3. It's perfect. Let's do that. There's something called base year compensation in the CBA. Now we're having fun. Now we're having fun. fun. What What it means is it tries to prevent teams from doing exactly what the Knicks are trying to do, which is go so far over the salary cap in terms of getting a player like Dame that they use Mitchell Robinson's inflated salary to bring in that player for matching rights. So... Number one, the prior team uses full bird or early bird rights to re-sign the player. The Knicks have Mitch's full bird rights since they drafted him. Uh, anyway, since they also use the MLE. Uh, the player's new salary is more than his minimum. That is absolutely true. The player's new salary is more than a 20% raise of his prior one. Uh, it's definitely more than 20% raise in this case. Mm-hmm. And the prior team is over the salary cap, including cap holds after signing the player But before the trade, so basically adding the signee's new full salary to the team's books. This is from The Athletic. Uh, And the same thing applies. If the Knicks were to do this, they would be signing Mitch and then trying to trade him, meaning they'd be over the salary cap. And there's a bonus that was not included in this part of it that I wanted to add, which is why it also gets so screwed up, is that outgoing money in a sign and trade, like Mitch's contract – is actually 50%. So if the Knicks are trading it at $15 million, from Portland's perspective from matching, it's 7.5. So as you can see, it doesn't work. (laughs) Giant X. It doesn't. The math does not work here. Does not work. Even if you you use the other uh, salary matching rules, it's not going to happen. So that is a big big reason why you can't do that. Um, I like it. So I guess we could quickly wrap up since we've... Uh, yeah, no, this was... So wait, we, so, so wait, we didn't answer my question. What was your question?
1: My I question is, that. can we talk about whether a team... What did I ask? A team with RJ Barrett or a team without RJ Barrett with, and Dame, without, um, would be able to do anything?
2: So again, I mean, it goes, right? Doesn't it go back to, what they could your do, bad boy? But what they could do with the money, right? Right. Well, this is actually with Barrett. So it was with Randall. Right. So with the money, it'd basically be like, even if you forget Kawhi for this moment, it's that type of money where you'd have to spread it out. So yeah, you could add depth to it, but again, like, and it's probably more, again, if you take quickly or Mitch out of the situation and throw them into this trade, let's say it's, and even if you remove Rose, it's now over $40 million. You can work with that. Uh, It's just a matter of, well, who's available and who's available that works with this timeline, is and, you know, because, like, if people might say Lonzo Ball, well, guess what? You either have to pay him an outrageous amount that's going to cut into your chunk, yep. or yep. you have yep. to sign and trade for him. And that means more assets that you're giving up that you're already shipping out for Dame. So, now you're trading for two players? Um, Are you going
1: to make me say his name, Jeremy?
2: No, Ooh. you're not going to say his name because we're not talking about him. Because he's not – it's not happening. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Listen – <laughs> if they make if they make this trade no, they have the same who, I, don't wanna, I, don't I don't want okay, to do not, I don't hear it I do
3: I do I'm so confused who are we talking about the Martha Rosen baby oh God never mind yeah, 20, thanks 20, Andrew you had to say it I'm sorry I asked
1: 21 Damn. and seven are an incredible event okay mm, no right. I just so, here, in all seriousness can I just throw one thing out there yes um if I, I don't think that they will do that. I do, I, let me just make very clear. I don't think the Knicks are are, are going to trade RJ Barrett. I, we just had an, I, I, I hope spoiler alert. I don't think they're going to trade RJ Barrett. I think they, I think they believe that it, aside from all the basketball stuff um, and, and everything, I think they believe RJ Barrett is a special component to this franchise. And, and sometimes a player can be more valuable than what he represents on the court. And we, we've talked about this before and it's not, we don't need to have the conversation, but right now I, I just, I want to say that for argument's sake. If they did, I think they would start the negotiation with, OK, fine, you're getting RJ, we're getting Dame. Great. That sounds like a fair trade. And then, of course, Portland would would hang up the phone and, and or, or laugh initially. And then they would go around and call the league for other offers and they would find like, oh, wait, we could get Tyrese Maxey. OK, that's interesting. Um, we could get with this young. And then all of a sudden, maybe like, OK, we'll engage. And then they come to an agreement where it's RJ and not all of the picks and all of the other young players, but it's RJ and one of Obi or quickly and four of the possible seven or five, you know, or, or, you know, three plus two swaps, not, you know, whatever. They meet in the middle, leaving the Knicks With not only cap space, which again, you know, like the Mars Rosen fine, but in, but leaving the Knicks with additional trade assets. And that's where I wonder, that's where I wonder more than anything is the part of the conversation that's maybe not getting talked about. We don't have to talk about it right now, but like if you had an extra two first round picks left to trade after the damn trade, and you still had Emmanuel Quickly or Obi Toppin or something, and you called up, I don't know, fucking Houston. And you say you really want to get the tank into high gear for the next couple of years? Give us Christian Wood. We'll send you two two firsts, and um, and you know pick your pick your young player. Or like, does Detroit want to move on from like Jeremy? Grant? I don't love the the fit with Jeremy Grant and like and and uh, Julius Randle. And there's not a ton of those players out there because now with ten teams that make the. Um, at least the play-in. More teams think they're in it, and if you go through the bottom of the um, league standings, you'll see there's not a whole lot of these ty- these types of candidates. So the Knicks are just going to send a few picks and a, a young player and bring back. So I, I I agree it's difficult, but that is another component here. That's the only other thing that I wanted to say.
2: So go back to our conclusion. You know, I I think, again, it's still a question of, is this team legit? And I think the Knicks benefited from health with Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and other teams not being healthy due to COVID or general injuries or playing in a city that they are not supposed to be playing in. A whole, you know, flux of different things. And I don't know how that impacts the Knicks to the point where they can then go kind of all in on a team where it's Dame and Randall and you hope RJ is there, but you also have the strong possibility that he is not in fact there. And if he is there, you know, how you have flexibility for anything moving forward. I still think that the timing isn't right. I have maintained for a while that 2022 is really like one of your, not last times, because you can still do stuff after that, but it's like, that is the, the best last window that you have and again after that you still have good windows you can create them it's just that is the time where it's like okay this is the last year that we have rj on a rookie contract always do is pay randall i think that unless you're going all in on a great team right now you can wait you can afford to i don't know if the knicks will but you could um again supporting cast concerns i think that if you were to trade randall which isn't even i don't think on the table then you could build your cast out with RJ and Dame and use Cap Space, but again, I don't see that happening. And it's really just like the idea of going in on Dame's window when he's 31 years old. Like to me, it makes much more sense for Philly to do that. They had they've had him bead for what he's drafted in 2014. It's been seven years where he's been on the roster. That's a long time for to not make a seismic move. And this would be the perfect time. He maybe has three years of dominance left before injuries start catching up. That fits perfectly with Dame's doing. You know, you could say similar about, well, Julius Randle's even old, old. He's, I think he's older than, or he's about the same age as. He's 26. Yeah, right. He's
1: yeah, same, more or less the same. Pretty age. much. Although MB so, is going to has how many years left in his knees, but. Yeah. Right.
2: But that mindset of like, well, if they're around the same age, couldn't you say the same thing about Julius Randle? And there's still more flexibility. There's there's the ability to do more around him without having to commit right now. Whereas with Embiid, it's a little bit more pressing, but I think something also that is not strongly being considered is the front office. Isn't just going to make a move to make a move based on the fact that if this doesn't work out, they will get fired. They had one great year in terms of what people thought they would be and what they are now. And if you're Leon Rose in the front office, why are you rushing to make like a balls to the wall move and let's figure it out and let's get this going? No, you want something that shows you are winning now, but also have a sustainable present and future. And oh yeah, you can even move other assets down the line and show that type of trajectory. You don't want to be like, let's just go all in on these stars. And if it doesn't work, whatever, we're still going to get paid and I can just retire or I can find a new job. It's not going to be the case. So it's this mindset of like you know. And again, I don't even see Dame moving. I think he's going to and stay. You, um, but you said this at the at the top. Everything needs to fit in for the for the trade to be the right situation, or at it least-, least the blueprint. If that's that if that's our thesis. Our thesis is being disproven because we do not have a deep team. We do not have it, we have an elite big. Uh, unless you want to call Randall a wing because he's performing more like a wing. I I, I don't know. It's a gray area, whatever Um, you have an elite guard, but if you traded RJ Barrett, then you certainly don't have what you hope can be an elite wing. You don't have depth because you've pretty much gutted a lot of it out to get this player. Um, The only thing you qualify for is that your two best players are beyond their sixth season. And it's like, that's great, but that also won't win you anything without the other two things.
1: If you, if you're making the star trade, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and you know, after the star trade, you're a championship contender and you could win the championship like those two teams did. And, and, and the hardened trade, because let's be honest, if uh, Kevin Durant's foot was uh, to a size smaller, the nets are probably going to win the championship this year. Right. Um, We we could just, we could say that. So that would make the hardened trade like a basically three for three, three years in a row where a superstar trade would have netted, um, Chance. I mean, look, we don't know for sure, but that's my that's my personal assumption Um the, the the Knicks, even in the scenario I just laid out where they trade for a Christian Wood or a, or a Jeremy Grant and, and and of course sign the immortal first battle Hall of famer DeMar DeRozan. Let's not forget about that. Um, even even in that scenario, that's a team that could can fuck around and have some fun and win a playoff series, maybe probably win two playoff series. It's not. It's not the team that that gets you all the way. Is is that is that to say that it's not the team that a year from now something else opens up and you flip Wood and well probably not the Rosen because nobody likes Rosen but like whatever you flip something else for that next you know player and maybe it's a Bradley Beal sign and trade I don't know whatever
2: it is well, what I actually that's a perfect lead in please I'll, I'll let you finish with the well play. no
1: I just like you you're never. Your your doors are never as closed as you think they're going to be, but at the same time, even if, even with the with the mindset of this is the NBA, the unexpected always happens. Even with that mindset, that 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 mindset is is an argument for or, or against the trade as much as it is for the trade. Because even though we could sit here right now and say, if not Dame, then who? Then when? Well, again, just open up your daily. NBA, uh, you know, article and read about Zion or Luca or um, who else is unhappy? I mean, I'm, Spider. I'm so, uh, Donovan Mitchell. And guess what? In six months from now, there's going to be another three fucking names. And six months after that, there's going to be another. Th- it's like, this is the NBA. This is this is how this happens. And you know what's going to be the case in six months or a year from now? If you <laughs> if if you're if you're really going to put your money where your mouth is person at home who doesn't want to trade these kids, theoretically, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin or RJ Barrett, their value will be higher, not lower. Yes. You better fucking hope it's not turning into a Kevin Knox situation or a Frank Niluky in a situation. That's the only other thing I want to say. So, finish with your. your
2: yeah, that's uh, something I wanted to mention. I'm glad you did. Their value gets better, which should actually also help the package because not, I'm knocking. here. The knocking, that's right. right. It's, I'll, it's, it's, I'll it's knock actual too. wood. It's yeah. real wood. There's, so, the idea then is like, okay, even Dame if he's on the market a year from now, or even six months from now, when other teams are like, oh, well, we can't really do much because we're kind of set and we're happy with where we're at. And James like, well, there's only one logical place then. And then the next try to do something else and quickly's going off and toppings popping and all these other things. Like you can basically figure out a way to, to make it so it's not as this package we're talking about, this extreme uh, type of deal. And it's great. Um, and Dame's value drops a little bit. He'll be 32. There's three years left instead of four. But all of this talk this week has also gotten me thinking. Like, It's, it's nauseating the type of package that the Knicks could give up. I've said that before, and I stand by that. But I kind of put my tinfoil hat on here. <laughs> and I'm just thinking out loud here, right? What if all of this is basically just a way for us to feel so much more at ease this summer with a Bradley Beal trade. Like this mindset, this mindset of like, okay, now we're not like, it's a relief that we're not giving up RJ Barrett and all these picks and these prospects. And now it's like, Oh, maybe it's just a couple prospects and a few picks and you get Bradley Beal on the door. That's so much better than Damian Lillard's cost. And we can also sign someone else, like that's, that's, that feels better. I can live with that. Like, yeah, let's, I could talk myself. Can't you imagine yourself doing that too? Being like, this is so much more palatable than what a worst case scenario was for me before. And it's a happy medium because I get an all-star who just made the all NBA team. And it really didn't cost me that much to give up this, to get that. And oh yeah, we can move some other pieces around. Like, can't you see yourself Talking about that moving forward. So
1: I will just say I don't I don't think the Knicks are going to be able to trade for Bradley Beal without giving up R.J. Barrett much more than
2: I don't think. Wait a uh, second. Just curious. Yes. Why is it that one year of Bradley Beal? Because
1: he the I think I my my assumption is that the understanding would be that he would be extending Im- immediately.
2: Well, not necessarily because
1: he which would he can, Which he can't, which he is allowed to do. And right. because his salary is so high right now, it's not like he'd be, he may be leaving a couple dollars on the table, but he, that's a lot of money he could extend for
2: today. Right. But again, if he declines the option in 2022, he's a 10-year vet who can sign for 35% <laughs> instead of 30, and he'd get 8% raise versus 5% raise from signing as a free agent. So that's but, sort of but that's
1: effect. so that's why this gets complicated. But again, that's we're talking into, we're having conversations about what are, what's going on behind what's the dialogue behind the scenes with his agents and right. and different teams and does he tell certain teams we'll extend with you but we're not gonna like there's all there's a lot of shit that yeah. we 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 yeah. don't know the specifics of.
2: That'll uh, be its own beast to tackle if we so choose. But again, still this mindset of okay, you're not trading for four years of Dame. It's a year of Beal. But it's going to be a, even if he's younger, he's not the better player. It's going to be an easier trade for me. And my like, if we're even, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're debating the idea of giving up RJ for Dame, because it sounds like you think. That I, no, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want Not that you don't, I mean, yes, of course. I, I don't think any of us wants to, but at least the three of us, but the idea of like, it has to cost RJ to get Dame. I don't see it having to cost RJ to get Beal.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe not. And I would really need to sit and think about the marketplace in it because I think thinking about the marketplace as far as Bill maybe have some slight nuance differences than thinking about the marketplace for, for, um, for Dame. And I agree with you, it would be more limited, not less limited. Right. Um, but if, if we do want to just say for, if, to, to your point that bringing this up, if you want to talk about what's the, to borrow Bill Simmons analogy, what's the, what's the Michael Corleone move? This is, the Michael Corleone move is to wait until Washington starts next year and they are, you know, um, 12 and 23 after however many games. And it's like, oh, so we could, we could trade Beal and tank sit, sit Russ on the shelf. Get, let's get Russ some knee surgery, right? Russ probably needs some knee surgery. Um, and so you're not just getting, <clears throat> excuse me. You're not just getting the return for Beal. You're getting the pick and it becomes palatable in that way. Um, yeah, but I would, uh, I don't know. It, they, they, someone would need to pop. Maybe the rookie that they draft. I don't know. Someone would need to pop. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see. This was fun. This was fun. I, I feel like I, you know, I went into this. I was very nervous about this one. I think I said I was nervous about this one. I feel very. I, this is a lot. This is kind of cathartic. I needed to have this conversation. Good. Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you for for letting me have this conversation with you guys, um, Andrew. Um, Anything? Yes, John. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll just say this: as <laughs> Jeremy brought the baseball analogy, I just I always have to remind myself that, like Mets and Yankee fans are all Knicks fans. Like they there's really no like Mets Jets Knicks. It's not. It's not like Mets Jets Nets. Like we're all we're all Knicks fans, and so the. Watching of Jeter, Rivera, uh, Bernie Williams, Andy Pettit, the core, the Passat, like the core four. Watching your young guys grow up and succeed with them is part of the DNA of Knicks fans, and also the PTSD of the Seaver trade, the um, um, the Kellenick trade that just happened. Like all these bad trades in Mets history that didn't work out is also part of the DNA. And it's why, like uh, Jeremy, when we were doing our pod a couple years ago, when KD and Kyrie was on the table, we were debating with Knicks fans that were did not want to trade Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, Mitchell Robinson for Anthony Davis to complete a big three because I enjoyed last season when we went seventeen and sixty five, and that's just it's part of the DNA. There are Nick fans, and I don't fault them that would like to see this team build and you know you see it from start to finish i'm i i'm the ironic part about all this is i agree with jeremy i think next summer is the summer to for it to happen where you can trade for day sign Beale and one off season the end um can I but just, yeah that's all
1: the the sorry i know i this is probably a different i'm gonna keep this i promise i'm gonna keep this very brief. Um, I'm looking at, as far as Beale goes, I think that market will be dictated by three teams. I think it'll be dictated by the Heat. I think it'll be dictated by the Bulls. And I think it'll be dictated by the Warriors. With the Warriors, put them in bold and underline them. Because if the Warriors want to... Um, I'm assuming the Warriors are going to do something good with their picks this year. And I'm, I'm assuming James Wiseman well, knows how to play basketball. I think there's one more team. What, Boston. An, I don't think they're, I don't think, I don't think Boston trades. I don't think anybody wants to go fucking play for Boston. I don't think Bradley Beal wants to go play for Boston. And I don't think Boston's going to trade Jalen Brown for, unless they get a guarantee on the contract. And that's a team that I don't think Bradley Beal is going to be like, oh, yes, I will, I will agree to extend with you right now.
3: My only thought was his relationship with Tatum. If the goal is to keep Tatum happy, then it's literally RJ Zion, except
2: they're closer. So, real quick, just based on the teams you listed uh the bulls they have already given up their best assets if patrick williams pops in a big way if if patrick williams pops then why would they be trading him for bradley beal
1: maybe they i don't know maybe they start out yeah that's fair that's fair that's fair because he's a
2: big wing right you don't trade you don't trade big wings you could shoot sure but then the heat similar situation where they basically have to what
1: if hero pops, if, 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 if big, huge, if maybe it's right. right. awful and it was all bubble, but if he pops, that's okay. That's, that's And yeah. then the
2: third is the Warriors. And I, I hear you with what you're saying with, okay, if the seventh and the 14th look good, if, if Wiseman doesn't look terrible, but you also have to consider, I think two things. Number one is the salary that he'll cost and Joe Lacob and his comments. I light, think at a certain point, there light has years to be ahead, a limit. baby
1: Light years ahead, baby.
2: At a certain point, there has to be a limit for how much he's willing to spend, how much ownership is as a whole. But I think the other thing too is no trade gets done unless it's really Wiggins who's coming back. And if I'm the Wizards, I I tell the Warriors to kick rocks. I want nothing to do with that contract. Fine player. But well, what do you mean? Oh come on. What you really want to take. He he might be better than DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan. Might might be. I don't I'm kidding. If that's our bar, then we're in deep shit.
4: No,
1: no, that's 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 fair. But no, but if if the young, if I mean if Wiseman comes out next year, It looks like. But then again, to your Patrick Williams point, right? If Wiseman comes out next year and looks, you know, great, are you necessarily trading him? Which is why again, the 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 power will lie with uh, Beal and his his representatives in in any of those trade discussions and Worldwide West. Well, look, man, we, we spent a lot of time last summer talking about. You know the ramifications of those hires down the line. When when the Knicks would be in these conversations, do those do the fact that they have those people, you know, help grease the respective skids? And maybe maybe now's the time where we start to find out those answers. We'll see. On that note, um, this was fun. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else to say. Yeah. Any, other, any other slides, Jeremy? Or is this just... No, I think right. that's it for that's right it now. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you stuck with us throughout this whole conversation, man, you, you deserve a, uh, a gold star and uh, an extra hot dog. Um, don't forget to check out the pod later in the week. Um, anything I'm not plugging that I should be plugging.
3: Uh, we have a crossover. Now we can say it, uh, the one and only Shweeney poo will be on here. Hopefully after he's listened to this pod to yell at us for even considering trading RJ Barrett for Damian Lillard or dedicating a lot of hard work from Jeremy, which should always be commended. Uh, so I'll plug that a crossover with pod Strickland uh, and just the, the warm reception we got to our crossover with CP. John will be on Knicks Fan TV tomorrow. Hopefully, So check, yes. that, check that out. Uh, obviously, when this drops, I, tomorrow. I don't know,
1: man. I might get bumped. You know, he's got NBA players now. That's true. He's probably, you got, Tibbs is probably lined up next. I don't know.
3: Even more so, accept it as an honor if you don't get bumped is what I would say, John. I listen uh, I will I'm looking forward to that should it should it indeed transpire and last Um, but not least giant fans leave me alone I said what I said just leave me alone I guess Uh, it's been all day on Twitter I I just and dangerous yeah whatever (laughs) just Oh yeah you're 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 a giant fan right Jeremy yes I am Uh, do you do you agree with his take or you oh there's no way he does Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I don't yeah.
2: know. How? We've kept the people long enough. I can. Okay, yeah, that's fine.
3: Right. Um, <laughs> we'll
1: everybody enjoy, that. enjoy your week. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Adios.